1: hello and welcome to baseball BarbaCast, the only baseball podcast in the world actively trying to bum you out I'm Jake Mintz and that's Jordan schusterman
0: and let's get sad baby you know Jake uh, first of all good morning it's good to see you happy Friday almost Shabbat Shalom we spend so much time on this here podcast being as positive as possible and that's not that's not a that's not a ruse like that's what we like to do we like to see the good in the world, in people, mm. in mm. baseball, in anything, mm. right? And in general, too, it's like, if, why would we expect you to want to come on here and just be big bummers? However, we would like to, to turn things around here and do a little – the first half of this episode, we are going to be doing what I think you are deeming the bummer draft. Um, which is going to be uh, – Jake will explain it in a second. Then we are going to do a little tankathon thon check-in, check-in on the bad teams on the race to the bottom, fitting with our theme of, of sad and bad. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some some good news we, we we accept. We will talk about some good positive baseball things. Dodgers keep winning. Mason Win is coming up to the big leagues. And then, of course, it's Friday. So the good, the bad, the ugly will return. But, Jordan, let's – Slump on the couch, crank up the Phoebe Bridgers, take
1: a gummy and an SSRI, and lean in to sad boy baseball. Shouts out to sad man baseball, one of our favorite Mm. baseball YouTube accounts. But the point of this draft, the other day, I was feeling down in the dumps, okay? And sometimes in life, it's okay to feel down in the dumps. I was probably feeling down in the dumps as like a come down from your wedding, right? Like... Just had a really exciting, emotional weekend. And then there I was sitting on the couch doing very little. And I said, man, I feel kind of bummed out. And then I was watching a baseball game. And those two circles collided. And so what we're going to do is the first ever bummer draft. Jordan and I are each going to take five people
0: that in baseball who bummed us out this season. Now, the, important to to distinguish here, we are going to keep this mostly on the field, maybe a little bit off. But but listen, we're not we're not going to the the people that did terrible things that disappointed us as humans, right? No this crimes. Should still, no crimes. Yeah, this should still be a generally um, relatively lighthearted, lower stakes. Uh, yeah. discussion. This is not, <laughs> don't worry, we're not going to get too dark. But if you're in a baseball context, again, we t- we spend so much time not just being positive, but like every year there's a million positive surprises and breakouts and oh my God, the, the Marlins are going to make the playoffs and oh my God, this player we've never heard of is going to hit 40 home runs. Like those are all great. And of course, 98% of the time, that's where our focus is on this podcast. But sometimes this sport disappoints us and people in this sport leave us in a state of of long sighs and sadness. So, Jake, without further ado, you are on the clock with the first overall pick. Any other uh, prefaces we need to do for this draft?
1: I'm just. Do I get the first pick because I tend to be a sadder person than you? Yeah, yeah. I feel like
0: you, uh, you're you're better to uh, to guide us on this journey. We're gonna each take five. Um, my, we'll see how much. I'm sure we'll have some overlap. Uh, but uh, we're gonna go back and forth. No, no need to snake draft this. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you go ahead and and take? Uh, I will say there was one thing here which will probably get drafted, which is also part of what prompted this draft. We'll see where that yeah. falls in. But but I'll let you go ahead and, and go first.
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna skewer a little bit with my first pick, okay. and I'm gonna take A's President Dave Cavill. Mm, all right, because. His single-handed, just, I guess him and the owner, John Fisher, but Dave Cavill to me is, is an even more of a bummer as someone who presented himself as an ally to Oakland A's fans only to pull the rug out from under him or out from under the fans and relocate the team to Las Vegas, Nevada. That happened earlier this season, and all of the things with Dave Cavill involved, anytime you saw him talk, My emotional journey was, this is a dopey dude lying through his teeth, and then you would realize, like, sometimes you see clips of people on the internet being stupid, and you're like, oh, who cares? This is just a regular person with no power. So then I saw this clip of Dick Cavill, I'm like, oh, no, he really is moving the A's, isn't he? And so all the other things that are going to be drafted here are short-term bummers. Mm -hmm. And if they are long-term bummers, they are about people who once were good i am not sad about a player who never was if that makes <laughs> sense right yeah. they are. we are we are bummed out about the things we didn't get to see and the things we had to see that were bad and the a's and dave cavill is a whole other category which is the the uh, looking
0: forward to more disappointment as the a's inch their way out of the bay area that's a great point because yeah, the and I think just the A's situation in general kind of comes off the board here because that's that's a great way to put it. You know, we know that as this season winds down, a lot of these players that we're going to talk about are going to have the opportunity, or most of them are going to have the opportunity to go into the offseason reset and we'll root for them again next year. This, we're going to have to keep watching this sad situation next year. Correct. Uh it's not, you know, the A, it's and obviously once they leave, then it's a whole other thing. So I, I agree with you. That is a great and sad pick. Like Tim
1: Anderson, who might get picked, mm-hmm. has made like upwards of $70 million in his career. Mm-hmm. If he'd ever played another baseball game, he would be remembered as a positive figure in baseball. Except maybe for the punch, but whatever. <laughs> the Ace I mean, fans have not made that on. much money in their careers and will not get to see a team again. And yes. so that bums me out more than any specific player could. Jordan, let me take a crumpled up wet tissue of my tears mm. and toss
0: it to you. Thank you. The pick is yours. I am going to select. Now, listen, something thematically I was thinking about was in terms of player performance that bums out more, it's much easier for pitchers to bum out than hitters, in my opinion, for a a reason because it's it's almost a more dramatic version of like, wow, ain't what they used to be. And I have a few of those guys on my board, and I'm going to go with one, a couple that were timely, but I'm going to first go with Adam Wainwright. OK, mm. Adam Wainwright, I know many people are enjoying the Cardinals dysfunction this year and the Cardinals being objectively a bad baseball team for the first time really in our lifetime. And I, I can't refute any of that. It's not like I am dying to have a Cardinals back in the postseason. But the way that Adam Wainwright's season has gone, a player and a personality who is very easy to root for, he is in a lot of ways the opposite. Of Yadier Molina, <laughs> who is the easiest kind of you know anti hero to to root against on the Cardinals' face of the Cardinals, you know that guy who just seems like a total a total dickhead professionally. But Adam Wainwright, it doesn't get any any nicer and kinder and just wanting to succeed more than him, and for him to choose to come back for this season and not just experience the team disaster. Right. It'd be one thing if he was kind of moving along with a four or five ERA and, you know, the Cardinals were bad and it's like, ah, oh, that's a shame. But like, whatever. Adam Wainwright at least got to go out with his dignity. Instead, it has just gotten worse and worse and worse. He started last night, Jake, and did something which a lot of people who follow this very closely, uh, including me, do not think they've ever seen, which is throw over 90 pitches and not record a single whiff last night against the Mets, not one. And on one hand, it's like, yeah, duh, of course, he's he's throwing you know 88 miles an hour. But that's still kind of hard to fathom for a major league game to throw that many pitches. His ERA, of course, has skyrocketed. And he keeps going back out there because at this point, it's not like the Cardinals are going to pull him out of the rotation. They want to let him keep going. So the confluence of he's going to keep going out there even though there's low stakes and him searching for one more good start to finish his career on... Is really breaking my heart because I, having been around Wainwright and seen him and talked to a little earlier, like I am rooting for this guy even if it doesn't ultimately matter for the Cardinals, and that has been tough to watch. So I right.
1: want to push back slightly against the yachty millionaire schmuck narrative. I think okay, that's yeah. from the outside as a fan, it's really easy sure. to not like that guy. Mm-hmm. I do think within the game, he has a much higher Q rating. than Oh,
0: oh, no, I I agree with that. But you know, I as just far as far as
1: right, mm-hmm. Wainwright. Here's the thing about Wainwright. Okay. So for years, my dude was raging against the dying of the light. In 2021, as a 39-year-old, he threw 206 innings, three complete games with a 305 ERA, a season for the ages, just inexplicably phenomenal at a point where pitchers crumble into dust. And it was then, it was like, wow, He's done it. If you walked away after 2021, after, like, dominating the Dodgers in the NL wildcard game, it all would have been great and we would have been happy. If he had walked away last year after a solid season in which he had a 3-7-1 in 191 innings with his buddies, Yachty and Albert, saying au revoir as well, we wouldn't have been on the wiser. But he was like, one more go, and this is what oh. we've been treated to, Jordan. As they said it in every um, every man born in the 90s, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain.
0: Well, see like, yourself to become the you know, batting practice, I guess is basically yeah. what it is. But it's tough. It's a tough, tough scene.
1: Just yeah. so people understand, really. He has been worth negative 2.3 B-War, 8.42 ERA in 72 innings with a whip of two.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the whip of two is not that's not normal. You're like, "Wait, it goes that high?" Yes, yes it it's does. It's actually with that it that's when it becomes whips. When it <laughs> pluralizes right. it too. Uh that is that is my first pick. I feel good about it. Back to you. I am going to select Daniel Bard. Mm, okay, very interesting. Different category. I I like this. Yep. Or I don't Rocky, like this. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, you don't like it. You like yeah, you get
1: it. Rockies reliever Daniel Bard. So for those who don't know the general Daniel Bard story, it could be a movie, it could be a book, and it is incredible. The fact that Daniel Bard is even pitching in the major leagues right now at all is a true testament to uh, human will, right, and belief in oneself. Daniel Bard, I'll just give the elevator pitch version, one of the best relievers in baseball with the Red Sox um, in like 2010, 2011, developed something called the Yips where he just can't throw strikes anymore. He can throw really hard, but he has no idea where it's going. He bounces around minor league baseball for like a half decade, trying to find it, and racking up just an outrageous amount of walks and wild pitches and hit batters. We saw one of these games, which was one of the most remarkable baseball things I've ever seen, where he was in low A, just had no idea where it was going. He retires, becomes a coach with the Diamondbacks, and then gives it one last shot, and what do you know? He can throw strikes again. Gets back up to the big leagues with the Rockies as like a 37-year-old, which is just, I mean, it's just incredible. And then this March, he makes the WBC team and can't throw a strike. And I don't want to project anything onto Daniel Bard, right? Like whether it was that experience pitching for
0: Team USA that kind of triggered something for him. You look like you're about to say something. Well, I don't know if you remember the specifics, but like they had an outing where like they left him out there, right? In a way that yes, with that was like oh my god, of all the people to leave out on the mound in this spot, like Daniel Bard is the last one you should be, and people were pissed at DeRosa. So it wasn't just that he was pitching and then wasn't like it was. It was a (laughs) it was a tough tough watch at the time, and they hung him out to dry. Now he has
1: he took some time on the IL with anxiety issues and. He has since bounced back, to be clear, to have a three five nine ERA. Like, he has been a solid big league pitcher. Maybe not quite as dominant as he was last year, but definitely, like, a contributing member to a big league team. Sure. But I am taking him in the bummer draft because of that moment with Team USA to watch someone who we all knew had battled so much to make it back to see that person fold again. Mm-hmm. to struggle again in front of such a large
0: audience on an international stage, mm-hmm. that bummed me out, Jordan. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And again, like you mentioned, I mean, his stuff's still amazing, which is what is keeping the area low, but like more walks than strikeouts as a reliever is not. But that's the thing. He's hes kind of fallen back into it. But we always are wishing the best for him. And I imagine that as long as he's still throwing hard and as long as he wants to keep playing, he will probably keep giving it a go because that arm is still as better than 99% of people. On Earth, Which is a good transition to my second pick, Noah Syndergaard. Jake, Noah Syndergaard is a different category than Adam Wainwright or Daniel Bard because Noah Syndergaard is someone who is looking for, who is trying to find it in a way that is a little bit different than, than a 38-year-old Daniel Bard or a 41-year-old Adam Wainwright. And what struck me when Noah Syndergaard, uh, who struggled uh, earlier this week, And after the game was giving some very just like downright sad quotes about how like he can't enjoy anything in life right now because baseball is what he loves and it's not what it used to be like. It's really hard to watch because what I'm watching with Syndergaard is honestly feels like a version of Matt Harvey, except that Noah Syndergaard does not, from what we know, have off the field problems in a way that is like self-sabotage. Like Noah Syndergaard is just not the same since he came back from Tommy John surgery. And it is not for a lack of trying. It is just that sometimes it doesn't come back. And for someone to have that kind of physical ability early in his career to not be able to find it again. And now in a new place in Cleveland where you would think, oh, maybe they can do it. Well, it couldn't happen with the Dodgers. That sucks because I know that he is sort of divisive as a personality in some cases. But honestly, like I I don't have any reason to root against this guy. It's just been just been tough to watch. And he was
1: an iconic baseball character for a number Mm -hmm. of years. Thor, long hair, ripped like an Adonis, Mm -hmm. just chucking triple digit heat. Consistently, no starter was throwing harder than than he was no. for a couple years. Even yeah. Degrom, like he was throwing yeah. harder than Degrom yeah. when they were together on the Mets for those years. And you're right, like being around him last year during the Phillies playoff run, he looks great. Like oh, he's still an like example. The same guy. Oh yeah, right. Like he didn't let himself go. No, you know what I mean, Matt Harvey let himself go among a number In... of other issues. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. Still looks like he was chiseled out of limestone. Yes. Okay. He's ripped to shreds. His arm just doesn't work the same. And when when we, it's a great reminder that like when dudes get Tommy John, and they go down with Tommy John, it's not just see you in a year. It's not a hundred percent success rate for a reason. Some bodies just don't take it, and I'm one of them. And that's just you know part of life. And so yep. when we ever we have a guy like Noah Syndergaard who struggles after TJ. It actually makes me
0: appreciate maybe this is not a bummer. It makes me appreciate the dudes who do come back. Right. Sure. Sure. But it's uh for Cindergaard, for knowing what he probably hoped to get back to, you know, he's about to turn 31. Um and I, I don't know. I don't know. So hopefully he can he can figure it out in some ways. All right, let's move on. What's your third pick? I can't believe I got this dude in the third round. Edwin Diaz. Oh wow. So this is good because the Mets. There's a lot of interesting Mets picks on the board. You could go in a few different directions, but yeah. this is a good one, so, so go ahead, yeah. 2022,
1: Edwin Diaz has one of the most iconic, memorable, enthralling, electrifying reliever seasons ever. He is downright dominant, snatching souls, taking names, racking up saves for an 100-win New York Mets team. Timmy Trumpet becomes like the third most famous person in Queens for two months. The videos of him running out to Narco, I mean, it was that's like the memory of the 2022 season, right? Like, oh, yeah. it was a it's meme, it went there. viral. All my little League kids started playing the song. Like, it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Gets an hu- enormous contract in the offseason to stay with the Mets. The Mets vibes are good. Steve Cohen's throwing dollars around. Here he is in the WBC pitching for his country, shuts out, closes out the Dominican Republic to send their big rivals home in pool play. And they're celebrating on the field. And the leg just goes kablooey. And to see him helped off the field, his brother weeping in a puddle of tears. And then to get the news that he would be out for much of the season. I know he pitched off a mound. This week, for the first time, there's no reason at all for the Mets to rush him back. They should give him as much time as he needs. I would not have him throw in a big league game this year. just not worth it. But, dude, that image, unforgettable. Right? Him being hobbling off the field, as much of a bummer Mm -hmm. as I can remember one specific moment on television being.
0: Yeah, agreed. And it was the whiplash of it, right? It was the going from the the peak of positive emotion and triumph to the opposite of that. I think that that, obviously, in terms of injuries, we're not topping that on the bummer list. I will say that, you know, we certainly had some other early season injuries. Reese Hoskins, of course, uh, would be one. Oh, sorry. Don't you oh. just can't... Y- you just can't list other topics. Okay, you you were listing other stuff. You were spoiling stuff earlier, so sorry. But don't okay. spoil. So I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't. I won't. If you want to take Reese, you can take Reese. But the point is, is there are other injuries. Of course, you can take. But no one. No, you're right. Edwin is certainly the top of it. But I, what I was saying is that, like, for the Mets, like, there's a lot of different. I don't know if you have any other Mets related things that you're you're going to take. Okay, so I I won't either. So I, I will at least say that like there are some other Mets things that like in a positive way it's like, oh, like that's gone well and it's been a disaster, right? But for Edwin too, that's also part of it is it's like, think about what we were thinking at the time, even when he went down was like, oh, the thinking of, oh, we could come back for this amazing Mets team and imagine him making this great return in September as the Mets are pushing for a division title. And now it's like, he's like rehabbing in like an empty city field for essentially no urgency, It's funny because I agree with you. It's not to seem like there's any reason for him to come back this year. At the same time, if there's one thing I would still like to see this season as a Mets fan that would make me feel good, it would probably be that. Not a reason to rush him, but it is kind of interesting. But the Mets as a whole don't bum me out. Yeah.
1: If that makes sense. They're more like a drunk person throwing up on themselves. (laughs) Like after a long night out. It's like you did this to you. Mm-hmm. And it is the Mets tumbling down the stairs this sure. season with the largest payroll in baseball history mm-hmm. is not like a bummer if you're not a Mets fan. I yes. think that makes sense. All right, Jordan.
0: All right. Next for me. for me, I am going to, again, like pitchers, it's easy, but I'm going to go with, I think I'm just going to go with Mike Trout. Um. So particularly the timing because Mike Trout going down with an injury, with a total freak injury at the time that he did and having to sit on the bench and watch what was supposed to be, again, with the mirror of of the Edwin situation, what was supposed to be like, a oh, man, if they can keep this afloat and then Mike Trout comes back, like, watch out. And I suppose that is still true. But for him to have to watch – the potential end of an era from the bench in a, a kind of freak injury that has unfortunately become somewhat common recently is just really like, and, and by the way, this is also, the, I'm also picking this because it has some applications to the Oakland situation where it's like, this story is not over for Mike Trout, but I don't think it's going to get any happier. You know, and that is the part where I'm just thinking, like, oh my god, like this was the chance. And again, maybe, maybe we can still see it. Maybe we can still see a, you know, some angels in the outfield magic. But I'm really starting to grapple when they cut to Mike Trout on the bench. I'm just like, man, like this has been tough to watch over the years, and it's possible that next year it is the toughest to watch. So, Mike Trout. I'm gonna stay on the injury slant, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna take
1: O'Neal Cruz. Ooh, okay. Um because like I said before, there are the two types of bummers. The bummers we had to watch, the meme of someone, you know, holding someone else's eyes open. You must see this train wreck. And then there's the bummers of what we never got to see. And O'Neal Cruz's 2023 season is a huge bummer for two reasons. One, remember, the Pirates were lit for the first couple weeks of the year. He fractures his fibula uh, on April 10th. So we barely even got a taste of O'Neill Cruz. Mm-hmm. We, we did not get to see him in full force this year. So that's one bummer. The other is that five months missed, like a whole missed season, for a six-seven shortstop at this point in his career is the type of injury that could be devastating. I'm not saying O'Neill Cruz is cooked or anything. He's 24 years old. He's got a lot of time left. But it's a crucial year in his development as a player. More than anyone else in baseball, he needs reps at the big league level, right? Mm -hmm. So he can learn to fail and learn to develop. And there's a chance that this injury robs us not only of O'Neal Cruz 2023, but of O'Neal Cruz the character. We may never see him actualize the talent because Mm -hmm. of this lost year of development.
0: Yep. hope That's a bummer. But it could be. That is, yep. that would be, that would be a massive bummer. That would make his, his career more of like a fever dream situation. Uh, but I hope he's back in some form. I hope he's back in some form. Uh, all right. My next pick, I mean, I'll just do it. Cause my last pick, I feel really good about and I don't think he will do it. So I'll just take Severino here. Uh, Severino is, is going off the, he's really the inspiration for this draft. Now, this is a little bit different because, again, like, he's still throwing hard, and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is him not on the Yankees, and it going well. But as far as likable Yankees go, like, he really was – he was a real fun watch. And this is different than – like, it's again, it's a different category. It's always different with the pitchers because – when you watch it and it's like, oh, well, he's now he's throwing 92. No, it's not. Like, he's chucking it in there pretty hard and it's just not working. So, it's the combination of the bummer and like the confusion and the confounding nature of his struggles that is just like, and the fact that like the Yankees are in a situation where they're just keep sending him out there. In in high stakes spots, right? It's not even like Wainwright where it's just kind of out of respect, like, hey, dude, like, go finish your career strong. Like, they're counting on him, and he's feeling that. (laughs) And he's giving quotes saying, I feel like the worst pitcher in the world. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, dude, it's okay.
1: It's like, welcome to Yes Network. The the Yankees really need a win to get off this night, and they'll send Luis Severino to the hill, who has allowed 85 runs. Like, it's just... They're relying on someone who can't be relied upon right now. Yes.
0: All right. That's an easy one. Uh, Back to you for your last pick.
1: I wish I could take Reese, but you did take him, and I don't want to touch it. It's not that complicated. His leg went boom in the final year of his deal with the Phillies. In spring training. Whatever. But I'm going to take Javier Baez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Because it has not gotten any better. In fact, (laughs) it has gotten much worse. Javier Baez. Who, for a time, was the single most electrifying must see player in baseball, full stop. In 2018, he finished second in the MVP, second in the MVP, not first or third, second in the MVP. Okay. He was on the cover of MLB The Show 2020. He was one of the faces of our sport, a member of the iconic 2016 Cubs. Curse breaking team. Someone where, if you watched the Little League World Series and the kids said their favorite players, Javi Baez would be all over that list. Not anymore, baby. Not anymore. It's, because Javi Baez yeah. has fallen off. He currently is slashing 221, 262, 320. That is a 582 OPS in 444 plate appearances for the Detroit Tigers. He has Fewer strikeouts than I thought. Only 103 strikeouts. But that is because he is swinging so often and so early in counts and making weak contact just all the time. He is lost. He has just – there's nothing for him to play for right now. It is aimless, and he is a shell, a husk of what he once was.
0: Yeah, and it sucks because, you know, we've seen after a bumpy first year for Erod, like we've seen him really turn it around this year in Detroit – kind of give them hope for being a, a kind of a, a pillar of their team. And and clearly Erod's like he wants to be in Detroit, as we learned at the deadline. And so as they kind of move in that direction, it is it is definitely, definitely frustrating. Although it's funny you mentioned, like, oh, because you know, I've been tracking the the favorite players for the Little League World Series. There have still been a couple of kids that say Javi Baez, which, if anything, should tell you how how enduring his his star power was. I mean, you're talking about 2018. Two years ago, right? Remember how massive of a deal it was when they when the Mets trade for him. So and he was incredible for the Mets. So uh yeah, that one is that one is certainly tough to watch. He also, you know, turns 31 in December. And I hope, I hope that there's a way that he can turn it back around. All right, my final pick, Jake. It's also timely. It is not a player, it is a broadcaster. Jake, earlier this week, Christopher Morel hit a walk-off home run for the Chicago Cubs. Who did he hit that home run against? The Chicago White Sox. And Mr. Len Casper, who two years ago departed the Cubs TV booth for the White Sox radio job, a decision which I'm sure there was all kinds of things involved. Good for him, right? And I'm sure Len Casper is still doing, uh, in, in enjoying his life as a baseball broadcaster. But to hear Len Casper Call a dramatic walk-off home run by the Cubs against the White Sox on the radio, and him just be like, Well, shit. This is the team that I am calling games for now, and not the team that I called games for. For so many years. We don't know Lenz uh, personally. I know we know a lot of broadcasters. We all hear only great things about his work and, and everything. I've certainly enjoyed him over the years. And of course, you know, he leaves and our, our good friend, Boog Shami, gets the Cubs job. And like... He's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna be fine. But particularly that specific moment of the Morel walk off and hearing Casper have to call it like a White Sox broadcaster felt both so wrong and such a big bummer for him. Because remember, when he goes there in 2021, White Sox are still good. They're ascending, and the Cubs are going in the other direction. And you have to imagine you're thinking, "Oh, it's flipping. It's a White Sox town now. It's or at least from a success. Town. I know Chicago. No, oh, you idiots. Of course, it's a Cubs town. But you know, like the the trajectory." Victories could not have been more different at the time. The Cubs are trading everybody away. The White Sox have this incredible core. And and for that moment to happen, where it's already this year been such a slog, was just like, oof, man, oof. So there's my final pick, Len Casper. (laughs) Uh, Any other ones on your board you want to mention before we take a break? I thought Byron Buxton is one that has really kind of bummed me out this year now that he's a oh, 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 different version of the hitter version of Syndergaard where it's like he's now not playing center field anymore and that's trying to stay healthy, but now he's not hitting and it's just like, oh, so I don't, I'm not like think he's doomed. He's had some moments this year where you're still like, oh, that's Byron Buxton. But overall, his season has been very disappointing and not and a big bummer for me. Tim Anderson is an obvious of course, one. Of course. I thought Wilson Contreras was another Cardinals one earlier this year, just the way that they were treating him and the way that his kind of season was going. But that's not too high up there. And then, I mean, the Padres. So many Padres things certainly have to be up there. Um, but, yeah, I think those were my, my main picks. Jordan, this has been a nice cry. It's important <laughs> in life. Sorry, everybody.
1: <laughs> to let it out. If you were properly bummed out, let us know.
0: Email us, baseballbarbacast.com. Yeah, Who else? Who do we, who do we who, miss thumbing you out yeah uh, <laughs> baseball barbecue. gmail.com that's BARBcat we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna we're gonna reset uh, I'm gonna, dry, we're, gonna talk, we're gonna dry our tears we're gonna dry our tears we are going to then when we return we're gonna talk tanking we're gonna talk Mason win we're gonna talk the good the bad the ugly. we'll be right back on baseball barbercast this is former PJ Tour winner Smiley Kaufman
1: host of The Smiley Show, a Sirius XM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world. And I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S M Y L I E. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Chugga, chugga, choo-choo. That's the sound of the tank rolling on in. It's August 18th. So what we're going to do is take those standings. Everyone's concerned about the wild card races and the division races. We're going to flip that standing upside down. And we're going to take a look at the bottom and preview
0: the 2023 race to the
1: bottom. Welcome. To Tankathon.
0: Yes. And you know, this is, you can't really do this until you get past the trade deadline and teams declare their intentions of losing baseball games. And while you could say, oh, tanking's not the same in baseball, that you can't draft LeBron James or an amazing quarterback, that's true. But if you think it's not a thing, you're just not paying attention because it's not just about the single player that you're picking at the top that could change your franchise, which, by the way, has happened in baseball with guys like Adley Rutschman. And even, you know, like that is a thing, first of all. The 2019 Nationals, mm-hmm. everybody, yeah. Oh my god. So again, there's a lot of versions of this like where this is this is how this it's a real thing, right? Of course you're not drafting one player that's going to change your franchise. But it's not just the one player, you're getting a bigger bonus pool. Now again, the big change now is the draft lottery which was in in, you know, instituted last year. So it is not a straight race to the bottom as it is in you know, football where you know if you have the worst record you're picking first, but more like in basketball where you want to give yourself a chance to pick higher and picking higher means a higher bonus pool. and which means you can get more talent in the draft. Okay, but the point is is well, I, the reason why I wanted to do this today is is two reasons. One, we have two teams that are far and away. I mean, this has been true for multiple months, but Oakland and Kansas City are obviously so far ahead of everybody else. Oakland, and by the way, this is on tankathon.com, one of my favorite websites, slash MLB, where they have reverse standings. The A's are four games up on the Royals. The Royals are eight games up up on Colorado. So those are your two teams that are going to be in the lottery. There's no the top three lottery spots for the highest chance to get the number one pick. Great, let's move those aside. But then you have the next tier of Colorado and Chicago, the White Sox, who are going to be kind of jockeying for that third top spot for the highest odds to get the number one pick, so those are the next two. But then after that, you have a group of six teams who could be shuffling all through the rest of the remainder of the regular season. That is the Cardinals at 68 losses, the Pit, the Pirates at 67 losses, the Tigers at 66 losses, the Nats at 67 losses, and the Mets at 66 losses. But what is really interesting here, Jake, which I tweeted about a couple of weeks ago, is that because of new rules in the CBA regarding the lottery certain teams are not allowed to have multiple lottery picks in, in a row because of their market size. And the Nationals are one of those teams because they're considered a top 10 market who does not receive revenue sharing money. So what that means is that the Nationals, because they picked in the very top last year, we know they, they got the second pick and they took Dylan Cruz, they're not eligible for the lottery this year, which means they actually can't pick higher than ninth. So the Nationals this year, have no reason to as we've seen, I mean they've been they've been a you know a frisky team. Like them losing a million games down the stretch is not helpful for them. They are not going to be in the lottery no matter what. Whereas the Mets
1: are in an quick question, situation. Quick question actually about yeah, that sure. sorry, quick question
0: about the Nets. Does that impact their international bonus pool amount? Good question. I do believe it, the international bonus pool is there's CBA. I don't know if the rules are exactly the same for the draft versus the international money. That is a good question. I'm still trying to figure some of this stuff out. I've been reading the actual CBA, which is available online. And even the craziest thing about the CBA, there's nothing about the lottery in it. There's literally like that must be in some other secret document. So that's annoying and frustrating. Anyway, but the Mets, Jake, are in a much more interesting situation because this past year, A rule, this has been a rule for a couple years, if you are spending so far over the luxury tax, to a certain degree, as the Mets obviously are, your first pick drops 10 spots no matter where it is, okay? That is a rule, except if you are in the lottery. So they've essentially delivered a backdoor that if your super rich team, I'm sure the owners lobbied for this, if your super expensive team somehow bottoms out, you're still eligible for the lottery and your pick won't drop top 10. But that means that the Mets have to get into the top six or at least the lottery has to give them a top six pick or their pick will drop 10 spots. So just to understand what that means, the Mets need to... Right now, they have the ninth lowest odds. They have every incentive to get as low as they can go because if not, if if the lottery spits them out and they have the seventh pick, they're picking 17th. But if the lottery spits them out and they're picking sixth, they're picking sixth and they will have like... I think like three or four million more dollars in their draft pool, which is a really, really significant amount. So, like, we have not had a situation like this before, and I am so fascinated. It's very NBA. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 the fact that it's the Mets is even funnier because they still have a good number of good players. That, like, are we just going to see tell Brandon Nimmo, like, hey, Brandon Nimmo, uh, you actually stubbed your toe yesterday. I don't know if you noticed, mm. but you're actually now out for the last three weeks. Tim LaCastro batting third. Get <laughs> right, on in exactly. there. Exactly. I am, again, you combine that with like Buck being the manager. Like, there's so many elements to this. I just want to put it on people's radars. The Mets need to lose. <laughs> okay. And that is a very, very strange subplot. But in general, how the rest of those teams shake out, uh, we we will see. Jordan, let's move on to another topic the Los Angeles Dodgers can't
1: lose they are <laughs> they on a in the lottery they will not be in the lottery they could win it it feels like they could win the real lottery with how things go out in Chavez Ravine but so I'm currently in Seattle uh, for a bachelor party and we were out boozing last night and there's the Dodgers game out on the TV in the bar and we talk sometimes about running into baseball in the wild right and it was like 0-0 in the seventh and I, I said to a Dodgers are going to win this game. And he was like, how do you know? And I was like, I've seen this movie before. I've watched this one. I know how this goes. We and don't. what do you know? Austin Barnes,
0: solo shot in the eighth. Game over, 1-0 we don't. We don't watch a lot of movies. This is a movie we've seen a million times. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just kind of how it works. Now, I will say, this is also a good example of just like when you're on, when the Dodgers are on a heater, they're kind you of pulling it. out new tricks with every win and Austin Barnes first home run of the season to raise his OPS plus on the season to eight mm. <laughs> um, it was a really a really special version of that against a, a good Milwaukee team it's not like they're not trying their best uh but yeah I mean we you know we talked about earlier this week but W11 for the Dodgers I mean they are now uh, they're what two games behind Atlanta like I still think the Braves are a much better team than them but like it's not the craziest thing in the world that they could end up with the best record and like and that's significant in terms of like home field advantage and stuff like that's not a a small thing if they can chase down Atlanta so uh, I know we thought that the NL West might be an interesting race when the season began even at points during the season no <laughs> the Dodgers are inevitable let them <laughs> let them win I saw some stat that they're like 79 and 20 in August in the last four years or some just outrageous number. But uh, this is, it does feel familiar. Like this is, it does feel very familiar that this specific time of year is when the Dodgers are feeling good. Uh, Jake, let's go back to one of the bad teams and that's the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, they have incentive to lose as well. They will be drafting high in the draft for the first time in a long time. But one player is coming up to maybe help them win some games. We'll see how much they enjoy help that. Them, help them win some help games. Help them win some games. Thank you, Jake. And that is Mason Wynn, their top shortstop prospect, who has been incredibly hot as of late with AAA Memphis. Mason Wynn is a fascinating player. Uh, why don't you introduce him a little bit to, to the people? You probably know his name because he threw a baseball 100 miles an hour
1: across the diamond from shortstop in the MLB Futures game in 2022. Yeah. Yep. He is a very odd player. He is really short. He is shorter than both of us, which always makes us feel great. Mm-hmm. He is very ripped. He is very fast. And as a high school prospect, he threw like 98 off the mound mm-hmm. and had a chance to be a two-way guy, focused on hitting, and just has turned into a very, very good all-around prospect. Not light tower power or anything like that, but he got he got he's got real wheels oh yeah and he's going to be a very fun dude to watch for the cardinals and so not gonna, your typical cardinals player to be
0: no, clear no 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 he's uh he he's going to he's going to you know deliver some spice probably on and off the field but definitely rooting for this kid we've spent some time around him it is interesting in terms of the the statistical profile because last year in more you know pitcher friendly environments, he has 12 homers, 43 steals last year uh, across high A and double A. This year, up to 18 home runs, only 17 bags. I know the offensive environment in of AAA is a little bit more power friendly, but it has been interesting to see him. Kind of, he has kind of shown some some real pop. I mean, he is very very strong, but he is a very very unique athlete. And and really but really exciting. You know, he's he'll, he'll probably and also has been making way more contact than you would assume for a player kind of of his background. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him. He's he's uh, going to make this this Cardinals lineup is even as they've sucked yeah. is still a very entertaining group. And now he's going to certainly add to that. I would say physically it's like a twitchier Ozzie Albies, mm-hmm. just the way
1: it's very tightly wound, yep. smaller guy, at least when Ozzy first came up. Now he's a little stockier. But Mason Wynn, it, just watch him. It, it's definitely yeah. different. It will definitely be worth your time. Yep. Jordan,
0: that's a, that's a, I like that comp actually.
1: Let's jump on in to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And because we did a lot of bad, we have a small caveat this week. Instead of the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're going to do the good, the bad, or sorry, the good, the something that rhymes with bad, and the ugly. And so, Jordan, we'll get there in a second, but what's been good?
0: What's, what's good been with good? you? Uh, this is you, got you got married. You got married. Oh, I got married. That was good. That that I mean, yeah. Oh boy, that was a good test. That was like a trick question in case Bailey's listening. Um, so yes, let's just say that. That was good. It has been good. Still married, all is well. Uh, but that's not still what I mean. married? Still, still married. <laughs> um it's Julio, duh. It's Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he had 12 hits against the Royals in four games, four hit day on Wednesday, five hit day on Thursday, and this is the thing about him is, is he's taken so much shit earlier this season. He's come up in all these clutch situations and just swung wildly and looked terrible. But when you are this naturally gifted, you are always a couple good swings away from just going ham and looking like one of the best players in the world. And that is what he has been for a few weeks now. And for him to come in in that game, this anybody that wants this Kansas City series, an absolute nightmare of a series for so many reasons. But like for him to come in against Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez, who might be the president now of the bad 100 club, (laughs) Um, which Jake and I have talked about for years, guys that throw 100 and just suck, or they're 100 miles an hour, doesn't do anything. Now, this was 97, so it wasn't 100. But for him to come in and face Julio uh, with uh, two guys on, and Julio to just take an inside pitch, which he struggled with this season, and just absolutely pulverize it, into left field, first pitch, give the Mariners the lead. They go on to win win the series. They've won three in a row now. Three miserable wins, but three wins nonetheless. <laughs> it's just, as George Kirby said after the game, thank God for Julio. He is amazing. I'm so lucky he's on my favorite team, and he is very, very good. What's your good? Ronald Acuna. Mm-hmm. I sent you this fun fact the other day, Jordan,
1: but Ronald Acuna oh, yeah. has led off every single Braves game this year that has only been done five times five times since they're in the integration era five times five times it's crazy five times as a player let off all 162 games
0: in like 80 years it's a good reminder too people are giving people give random shit for this all the time i actually think it's hilarious when he gets hit by a pitch and everyone makes fun of him cuz he acts like, you know, he's has, yeah. you know, a, a life-threatening injury. But like every time that happens, this is the same thing with Gene Segura. But like we have like floppers of this caliber. It's like, listen, I know he's going to be fine because he's right. got to play tomorrow. <laughs> like the he leaves the game. But yeah, this dude this, and, and and it's just so cool, right? Because when you're lead off you're getting more at-bats than everybody else. Obviously, if you're a leadoff on the Braves, you're getting more at-bats than everybody else, which means you have more opportunities to get injured on the bases, getting hit by pitches, in the field, you're stealing bags, and for him to now be this Iron Man is so freaking great. After his injury, too, it's yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so Dave Cash for the Phillies in 74 and 75, Pete Rose in 75, Ichiro in 2010, and somehow, Whit Merrifield, in 2021, led off, batted first every game for the Royals. Not sure how that happened, but Acuna has a chance to do something really special if he keeps leading off for the Braves.
0: Oh, that's so good, and that that that, that had some ugly in it, but it's too good to be ugly. So I, I think yeah, that yeah. that is is great. Okay, so now we move to our rhymes with bad. Uh, yeah, a lot of options here. I kind of struggle with this because there's just so many different directions to go to. So I am going to go because it's, I'm actually just going to stick with my, my Little League theme. And I'm going to go the good, the dad, the ugla. Mm. And I'm going to talk about Alfredo Despaigne, <laughs> who is, uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the legends of Cuban baseball, who is, I believe, still playing in Japan. And the Cuban, uh, for the first time ever, we have a Cuban team in the Little League World Series. We were looking at the rosters, and there's a kid named Alfredo de And I was like, that what is that? Oh, okay. Is there is this is this is his dad Alfredo D'Spañere? And sure enough, when they introduce him, he says, My name's Alfredo Despagne. My favorite player is my dad, Alfredo Despagne. <laughs> and so I'm going with the good, the dad, the ugla, because Alfredo Despagne, who apparently has now raised this kid. Oh, mostly a lot of in Japan like he spent a lot of time in Japan he kind of talked about that he's also i believe one of only two 10-year-olds in the tournament so you you can know that he's clearly uh going to you know that's no surprise that they got of of all 10-year-olds it was going to be one of the ones whose dad is one of the greatest players in Cuban baseball history but uh but yeah i'm excited to watch him in the tournament this week and uh yeah there you go the good the dad the the ugly
1: what you got i'm going to do the the good the rad and the mm, ugly jordan yep
0: a lot, okay what's what's rad
1: I am reading a great baseball book right now, and I would like to share it. All right, book club, BBQ Book Club, what you got? Ricky, The Life and Legend of an American Original by Howard Bryant. Mm. The definitive story of Ricky Henderson. I have been listening to it on audiobook while I ride my bike, and it is a fascinating, outstanding read. It is not just about Ricky Henderson. It is about a million other things. It is about baseball in the 80s and the 90s. It is about Black America. It is about Oakland as a town. It is about capitalism. It is just a fascinating read through the lens of Ricky Henderson. Howard Bryant is like I would say sports writers that I revere, genuinely revere. It's he's like at the top of that list because the older generation of of farts, I can't take a lot of them seriously. They're too crotchety for me to really respect. Whereas Howard Bryant, who is not on Twitter anymore, by the way, who used to have like some old man yelling at cloud baseball takes on there, but they come across as so great and so genuine because you know he's so plugged in and has such a great perspective on the sport. And I got to meet him a couple of weeks ago. He was at Yankee Stadium when the Astros were there. Just buy this book. Read this book. It's so good and it gives like Ricky there's just one Ricky Henderson man it's the 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 type of stuff like the high school stuff i can't recommend oh, enough man. the stuff where like he was just he like was a football player he was just dominating there was a story about how like to get him to try out or play baseball one of the administrators at the school would like give him a nickel or a dime for like every hit or like a dollar for every steal and basically just like bribed him to play baseball and then one day he
0: made like 7 bucks <laughs> That It's funny, it reminds me of like, when you have characters of that degree and and athletes of those levels, I want to know everything that happened before. It reminds me of like, you know, the Bo Jackson documentary, the Bo Jackson 30 for 30. Like the best part is everything before he gets into even college. Uh, He jumped over
1: a Volkswagen.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like it's versions like that where I like, I want, I I will read a whole book that's just on that stuff. So uh, I love that very much. Um, okay, Jake. My ugla was going to be the kid from Chinese Taipei throwing eighty-one, but we have breaking news, which de- de- demands being ugla. Okay, you ready, Jake? Yeah, I don't know it. Or do you want to go ugla first and then I'll go? It's not like too urgent. I'll go first. Okay, you go first, and then I'll I'll go deliver the my the ugla breaking news. <laughs> did you see what happened with Dave Fleming in San I did. I did. This was fantastic.
1: So, Giants broadcaster Dave Fleming, like, lost a fantasy football bet, and his punishment was that he had to serve as the bat boy for the Giants during a game. Yes, for the and first three go- innings, I believe. For the first three mm-hmm. innings. And it was goofy because, Dave, like, any adult over the age of 45 in a full uniform with a double-flat batting helmet mm-hmm. looks like a Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. But this is not a punishment. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we got to be bat boys once in the minor leagues uh, for the staten island yankees r.i.p yes and the thing about being a bat boy is that if you're a bat boy that's not your job your job is like you're a clubby usually and you're doing a lot of other stuff like you see the phillies bat boy is like one of their clubbies he's always running around he has things to do and then before first pitch puts a uniform on and he's just schlepping stuff
0: yep just
1: being the bat boy is not a punishment that is a reward so i
0: love that they they phrased it like you have to do this and he's like Okay. Right, because for that, like, it is embarrassing for 30 seconds, and then you're having a great time. And then you're in the dugout. (laughs) Yes, yes. There's an incredible video that the Giants tweeted out of him in uniform introducing himself to Wade Meckler, who was like making his major league debut. And the confusion on Wade Meckler's face (laughs) is so great because like, I don't, I don't want to assume either way whether Wade Meckler like recognized Dave Fleming's face. Like he good chance he did good chance he did whatever. But like, I just love that situation because obviously the giants coaching staff, is cracking up and like loving every second of it. They're like, this is so funny. We you know, capital loves it, whatever. But like for the players, you can imagine some, <laughs> some of the confusion there. So that is fantastic, Uggla. All right, Jake, we're going to close out this show with some Uggla breaking news from Jeff Passan, which is that the Los Angeles Angels are calling up Nolan Shanuel. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, Jake. So let's talk about this. The Angels who are <laughs> – Jake is laughing. The Angels who are, uh, again, uh, trying to keep their season alive. They're 60-62. and 62. They are many games back. They are – now, I will say something I've said even leading up to the deadline. You know, oh, they, they trade for pitching. We're always saying, oh, the Angels need pitching. The Angels need. No, the problem is that the Angels' offense around Otani has been abysmal. Crone and Grichuk have been just horrific – Mike Moustakis is like the only guy really doing anything. It's been bad. And so what they've decided to do is call up the gentleman who they drafted a month ago <laughs> from, from Florida Atlantic, the 11th overall pick in the 2023 draft. And now listen, if this seems crazy, might I remind you that they have had the first person of the big leagues come up in the last four seasons? When Wade Meckler got called up uh, last week. The only guys who had made it from last year's draft were three Angels guys Neto, Bar- uh, Ben Joyce, and Victor Medeiros. They have pushed people faster than a- essentially any team we've seen in the modern era. Was Nolan Chauhanuel raking in double A? Of course. Was it 16 games and was he playing in Conference USA three months ago? Also, of course. Will Nolan Chauhanuel be a great baseball player someday? I think there's a good chance. But Jake Mitz, this is patently absurd. I wish him the best. I hope he succeeds. But if Nolan Shanywell struggles <laughs> down the stretch here, let's not be shocked. I mean, I guess Neto has kind of enabled them to see what how quickly Neto has been able to succeed coming out of the Big South without barely playing any minor league baseball. But this is just so ridiculous. I'm not even saying, like, they shouldn't do this, but, like, this is so absurd. This is so so absurd. There's a reason teams don't do this, right? <laughs> There's a reason we d- never see
1: a dude get drafted and then in the big leagues two months later. You, you see it with pitchers sometimes, rarely, but with hitters, it's crazy. Again, Nolan shanuel was one of the best hitters in college baseball this year. That being said, Hi, two so of his yes. home runs, yeah, two of his home runs this year, Jordan were against Harvard. He homered twice against fucking. Harvard, and now he has to go face Max
0: Scherzer. (laughs) So like, this is the thing. Also, here's why I'm also pissed. If you're going to do this, Just fucking send him to the big leagues. Just go full Xavier Nady. Let's, 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 let's actually, you know, make history here again. Don't act like he needs to hit well in Rocket City for two weeks to prove that he's ready for the big leagues. You have no idea. There is no way that he has done anything in the last few weeks that would make you feel like he's more ready for the big leagues than he was when you first drafted him when you also needed him then. And you wouldn't have even needed to trade for CJ Crone. So (laughs) I love this because I can't wait to watch it. I, I both, I've never felt simultaneously feel bad and excited for someone for Nolan Shanuel, right? A dude that three months ago was, you know, taking road trips to, you know, UTSA <laughs> and, 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 you know, oh, he's going, you know, he had a really big series at Western Kentucky at the end of April. <laughs> like now he's on the angels, like trying to save this season for Shohei Otani. It's, so ridiculous. Oh, my God. One for three against
1: Bradley in a midweek. And here he is trying to make
0: sure that Mike Trout era is not a failure. He opened he opened the year with, with I, that three-for-three three game against Monmouth. Perry was probably in attendance. And he's like, I need this guy batting seventh in five months. <laughs> That's so, just... Yeah. And also, like, is he... I can't. Anyway, so many more questions, but it is as ugly as it gets. It is as good as it gets. It is as bad as it gets. It is everything that we've talked about. It goes. It could end up being a bummer, Jake. This move really encapsulates this podcast episode.
1: Just a quick. Um, I found his uh, page on the Florida Atlantic website. Just a couple of quick facts about Nolan Shanuel. Born in Boca Raton. Yep. So, as you know, you and I, as Jews, mm-hmm. that well, is where Beca. our people. That's where they go to die. Mm-hmm. So Nolan Shanuel, honorary member of the Jewish community, we stand. Majoring in business entrepreneurship. So you know Jordan, he uh, he's a real entrepreneur. He entrepreneured his way all the way to the big leagues really quickly. Favorite pro team is the Boston Red Sox. Not anymore. It's not. No. <laughs> Top. Top movie is Bull Durham, which is mm-hmm. hilarious because that's about the minor leagues. The, that's
0: <laughs> so true. He didn't
1: even make it to Triple A. He We he, he never he's never going to see Durham. Oh no. Uh, loves Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Who done?
0: Wow, Enjoys what a baseball player.
1: Blanking and blanking. Any guesses? Uh
0: hunting and fishing. Fishing right, hunting wrong. Oh, okay, what 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 I don't know probably golf <laughs> golfing yes golfing and fishing okay.
1: <laughs> and then the last thing most people don't know that he has a birthmark shaped like a dog's paw
0: all right now go get it now him. we all know <laughs> now everybody listening to baseball Barbicast knows that um yeah wow uh well the angels are facing the uh, rays this weekend at home. So, um, uh, Nolan Chanuel will have to face Tyler Glass now on Sunday. Have fun. Have fun, kid. Uh, you know what? He's facing Erasmo Ramirez, which is like, oh, you know, that's like an easy, you know, pretty solid matchup. And maybe he'll homer off Erasmo Ramirez. Erasmo Ramirez, if he was in Conference USA. I mean, Holy shit. It would be like... All-American. It would be, be... You'd never seen anything like it. I mean, this guy, his, his whip would be... You'd have a negative FIP, but he would have an 80% ground ball rate, right? Like So, anyway, all of this is to say, I can't wait to see how this goes. Good luck, Nolan. We wish you the best. No pressure, kid. What a ridiculous thing. Jake Mintz, this has been a delightful episode of Baseball BarberCast. I hope you have a wonderful time in Seattle. Jordan, sometimes having a bad time is a good time. We really turned this around. We really ended up in, in good spirits. So thank you all for inju- for hopefully indulging us in the bummer uh, first half of this episode. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing as always. Thank you, Jake Mintz, for co-hosting with me. We'll be back next week. And we will see how Nolan Shaniwell is doing and, and much, much, much more. Uh, but until then, again, you can email us at at gmail.com. Leave us a rating review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a wonderful weekend. Shabbat Shalom. Jake Mintz, any final words? I'm going salmon fishing
1: this weekend. That's Ooh. it. Those are my final words. Bye. All right. Have fun. Bye.
0: Serious XM Podcasts.